0: Good morning. We're kicking off uh, a new teaching series uh, through Lent called Broken Does Jesus Care About My Pain? Uh, And I I just need to tell you, this is a little different than I think I've ever done before. Uh, It it was triggered in me uh, when I read a book called The Backside of the Cross by one of our theologians. Uh, And and I will just tell you up front, some of these are going to dig in pretty deep. And this may trigger you. Maybe may something goes on. It's okay if you need to step out and walk away for a minute. Because some of us have been wounded in some pretty deep kinds of ways. And grappling with that can, can uh, be fine. But, but the reason I think this is important is because as someone that's been doing this a long time, I, I think as a church, not just our church but the Christian church, we, we are pretty clear about the good news of the gospel for the sinner right? That, that you can be forgiven, that you can be made new in Christ, that you can be restored, that, that heaven is your home. That, that is all good stuff, reconciliation in this life. But the question that has been raised recently in my life uh, as I've read the book and as I've kind of began to talk about it is, is this. Um oh, helps if you turn it on. That's a good one. There we go. Oop, back up. Does the cross have good news for the sinned against? Yes. Yeah, I, I think it does. But I'm, I'm, I'm t- honestly, I don't hear a lot of people talking about that. I, I don't hear people digging into this because it, it's difficult when we talk about those who have been wounded, who have been sinned against. And, and the, the difficult was that when we don't talk about this is it begins to sound like we care a whole lot about the perpetrator of sin and don't care very much about the person who was victimized by that sin or the survivor of that sin. And that is not the message of Jesus, amen? You all just know that intuitively, but we don't, we don't tend to talk about it. And, and we send that, that message that the, the wounder matters than the woundee, or, or that the breaker matters more than the broken. Um, and frankly, we as the Church of Jesus Christ have often failed to give hope to those who have been sinned against. Amen? It's just, we, we just struggle with that kind of thing. So that's what we're going to talk about over uh, the next couple of things. Uh, as we're moving through through Lent. Uh, that's kind of the overview of it, and, and tomorrow, today we're going to talk specifically about something. Before we do that, though, I enjoy giving you guys a memory verse. You all got, I, I did it last week. You all got it memorized? You remember what it was? Don't, no, don't answer that. That would not be good for my ego. How about this? A memory verse. Let's say it together. The Lord is close to the brokenhearted and saves those who are crushed in spirit, Psalm thirty four eighteen. Let's say it one more time: The Lord is close to the brokenhearted, and saves those who are crushed in spirit, Psalms thirty four eighteen. Uh, and so, uh, this morning, uh, there, there's some strange things. Have you ever wondered why in the Bible it talks a lot about one thing and not very much about another? one of the things that's interesting to me is that there's a lot of discussion about the particulars of how Jesus died and the crucifixion and the torture and all of those sorts of things. But there's not a whole lot about the resurrection. We don't hardly know what happened in that cave. We just know he went in dead and came out alive, which is the opposite of the way it normally works. Normally you go in alive and come out dead, right? You know? but, but it was the opposite there. And so in Interpreting the Bible, one of the things you, questions you have to ask is, why, why did the, the writer put this in there? Or why did they leave something out? And, and when they put something in, the answer to the question is pretty much that it has something of spiritual value to teach us. And so the suffering of Jesus and every part of that has something, some value for us. So if you have your Bible, uh, turn with me to Matthew chapter 27. Uh, we're going to look at verses 45 and 46, and then we're going to jump down to, uh, to 50 in there because those are kind of uh, kind of connected. So where we're going to pick this up is Jesus has gone through all of the suffering, the beating, you know, the humiliation, uh, the <clears throat> being put on the cross and the nails and, and all, all of those sorts of things. And so he is coming right down to the end. So we are looking at the moments, literally moments before Jesus uh, passes into eternity. So... Um, Beginning at verse 45, From noon until three in the afternoon, darkness came over all the land. So it's completely covered in darkness. The sun is blotted out. About three in the afternoon, Jesus cried out in a loud voice, Eli, Eli, lema sabachthana," Which means, and this is the part that's really important, My God, my God, why have you abandoned me? My God, my God, why have you abandoned me? And the word for abandon there is is really strong. It carries the idea of desert someone or to leave them helpless or to leave them behind or sometimes the word forsaken we get in all of that. In many ways for me, why have you abandoned me are some of the most terrifying words in Scripture. Because all of my life I've understood that the prosperity gospel wasn't true. That if you follow God, it'll be rich and everything will go wonderful. But my counter to that has always been Emmanuel. God is with us. Even in our deepest, darkest, most difficult moments, God is with us. Yeah. And then I run into this. Where Jesus Christ, God in the flesh, God who was with us in, in that very lowest point of his life, the very Son of God says, my God, my God, why have you abandoned me? That terrifies me in all of that. The, the, the God who could have sent thousands of angels to rescue Jesus, instead of rescuing him, he turns his back on him and, and walks away. In fact, it even gets worse. We're going to jump now down to verse 50. It says, and, and when Jesus had cried out again in a loud voice, he gave up his spirit. We don't know exactly what this means. Maybe he just hollered, you know, ah, or something like that. But the fact that he cried out again makes a lot of scholars think that he repeated this. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Only now he's screaming it just before he dies. That is profoundly disturbing that in Jesus' dying moments, he, he, he was ignored by God, that he turned his, his back on him that he cast his lot with those who were abandoned by God. I find that very difficult. In fact, I've already received some feedback when I kind of posted kind of the sermon title, Abandoned by God, by friends who are uncomfortable with that language. No, 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 God doesn't abandon us. And I'm kind of like, wait, I'm pretty sure that's what it says. You know, that God abandoned us in that moment, that God abandoned Jesus. But here's why I think God abandoned Jesus. And this is super important. I think God abandoned Jesus in that moment because, so that Jesus knows what it is like to be abandoned by God. So Jesus knows that. Because I am telling you, many, many, many of you have been there. In that moment when you were crushed by something or someone, that you're in a moment where, where are you, God? What is going on? And the power of those words at the end with the Father turning His back on the Son and walking away of abandoning Him means that Jesus understand that He's been there too. And that is good news. That is good news that He understands those difficult sort of moments in our lives that we, we experience. And, and I'm going to just say it right now. I'm going to say some things that, that may trigger you. And again, it's okay if you get back. There are many of you, maybe most of you, that have experienced it. Here's some times when we experience that. God, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? At the end of a marriage. Amen. Yeah? You know, Lord, why did you let me get into this? Why did you, ha- how did this, an abusive marriage? Lord, why didn't you protect me from that? Lord, how did that happen? Here's a tough one the death of a child. This week, a good friend of mine from high school who married a girl I know posted that their son, who was in his late 20s, had passed away suddenly and unexpectedly. And I don't know what to say to Carl. You never recover from that. Carl has followed God all his life. His family has followed God. His, his son has followed God. That, that's a moment of, where are you, God? Abandoned by God is what you're experiencing in in that moment. There there are other things. Uh, The the miscarriage of of a child. God, where are you? Why did you let that happen? Abuse. Physically, emotionally, sexually. Constant pain. Assault. Attacks. Shootings. Remember Pilchuck? Our community still hasn't recovered from that. That left a mark on us and on our children in a way where you say, where were you, God, in, in all of that? Even natural disasters. I just looked it up this morning before, uh, before we came in here. In Turkey and Ukraine, from the, uh, the earthquakes that have hit, there are over 46,000 people that have died. God, where, what are you doing? Where are you at? Do you not care about us anymore? So here's the kind of questions when you kind of get in that moment. This is an indicator that that even if you haven't quite thought it out loud, you're thinking about the fact that God has abandoned you uh, in this. Um, Why why did you let this happen to me? I'm not going to ask for hands, but I've prayed that prayer. I've prayed that prayer recently. Or where was God when? Fill in the blank? That somewhere in there that, that this thing happened to you. And so there's a couple of things I want to I just point out really quickly. Number one, Jesus asked why. Every once in a while people say, don't ask why. You can't help but ask why in those moments. Even Jesus asked, why? God, why have you abandoned me? Why didn't you protect me? Why didn't you watch over me? I wish I had a really good answer. there. Everybody go, oh, okay, I get it. I've studied philosophy, and I've studied a lot of theology, and I don't know why that stuff happens. When I get to heaven, I'd like to think that I'm going to ask Jesus, but I suspect when I get to heaven, I don't care no more. (laughs) Amen? It's like, just let me in. We're just coming through, you know. But I do know this, that the last words of Jesus on the cross were not, how great is our God? Wow, God has gotten me through all these difficult times. It wasn't praise God. It wasn't even God, I trust you even though I can't feel you right now. Jesus' last words were a bitter, angry accusation that God had not held up his end of the deal. This is an uncomfortable sermon, isn't it? Told you. Told you it'd be like that. And, and, and here's the deal. <laughs> If Jesus experienced that, we can experience that. Amen? Amen. Because he was sinless. In fact, those words that he quoted, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? They're from Psalm 22, they open the psalm. And that whole psalm is about a righteous man calling out to God that what is happening to him is unfair. And that's what Jesus is doing in that moment. And, And the truth is, if Jesus experiences that, you will experience that too. If you live long enough, there will be things that will happen to you that you will go, God, where are you? Do you not hear me? Do you not understand? Have you ignored me? Have you turned your back on me? And Jesus dies with those final words. In the conclusion of his life, he steps into the darkness of death, not with the great victory, but with a struggle that was apparently a complete surprise to him. And I don't know what was going through his mind, but I can imagine that if he was surprised by that action of God, he's starting to think, wait, 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 am I gonna get resurrected or not? You just changed the deal here. And and I can see all of the uncertainty that must have been a part of him. The torment and torture of the cross was very real. He had gone through so much, and in the very end, with victory within his reach, God leaves him alone to die Here's some truth. If Jesus can be disappointed, confused, angry, and frustrated with God, you can too. If Jesus can be disappointed, confused, angry, and frustrated with God, you can too. Okay, I got six or seven of you. If Jesus can be disappointed, confused, angry, and frustrated with God, you can too. This is really important because in many ways by not talking about this, the unintended message we have sent is there's something wrong with you if you have been in a place where you were disappointed, confused, angry, and frustrated with God. And so we shut up about it and we don't talk about it and then then we don't get the grace that God intended for us in, in all of this. Jesus was in that spot that you are in. And some of you right now And some of you have been in that spot for a long time. There are certain things that happen to you that you never get over. And you got to be honest about what's going on. I love this. Jesus was honest about what he was feeling and what was happening. And Matthew recorded it because it was important. Because there's a message here for all of us. So here's some more truth. Many of you have experienced God's abandonment when you needed him the most. Yeah, I'm glad no one said amen there, but the truth of the matter is you have. And I know you have because many of you have been in my office sharing that with me. And we've prayed together. You've lost someone you loved or, or something has happened in your life or you were abused in some sort of way and the perpetrator seemed to get all the good and no one paid much attention to you. In fact, if anything, they wanted to say, get over it. Man, do not ever say get over it to someone who's in pain. Please, please do not say that to them. Getting over it isn't possible in some ways. It can get better, but you can't get over what over it. In my experience, everyone is touched by brokenness if they live long enough. I've been touched by it. There are some times in my life that I'd give anything if I could just wipe that out. My wife has been broken My children have experienced it. My friends have experienced it. Is there any hope for the sinned against, for the survivors, for those who have been broken by the events of life or by the sins of others? Does Jesus care about your pain? Here's what I know Jesus truly and deeply knows what you are going through because he has been there too. And if I think there's a purpose, and I do, I think there's a purpose to that whole experience that's a a part of it, I think it is that Jesus went to the place, the Father sent Jesus to the place where he knew we would be, which is the most painful part of it. I think that's why why he did that. Jesus knows. There's something uh, about what's going on in in that. And so Jesus has walked the same path of suffering and grief. You are walking, and he is with you. Okay? Okay. And by the way, I'm just going to do a little caveat because not this week, but next week, we're going to talk about this. This includes sexual abuse. And we'll talk about that later, okay? But I want you to know that, that Jesus is with you. And the reason this is important is there, a, there is a bond of mutual suffering. There's something that happens. When I got my cancer and it was really bad cancer and then I got through it on the other end, all kinds of people began to talk to me about cancers I never knew they had. Because there was something about safety with someone else who got it. And I, I feel a bond with other people who have been where I was in that place where you don't know whether you live and you don't know whether you're going to die, and the medication is killing you anyway, and at some point you're thinking, I'd just as soon die. Thank you, I'm out of here. When someone else has been through that, we have a bond. It's not because the rest of you aren't kind and empathetic, but there's something about that that makes it safe for me to share some of the deeper parts of that. And, and often people share that with me as, as well. There, there's a commercial. It was on the Super Bowl and it's, it's going out there. It's about Jesus. And, and, it, and it just basically says, he gets us. That's what this is. He gets us. He has been where you are. He has suffered those things. He gets you. It doesn't mean that it's good that it's happening, but it means that He gets you and and, and He's for you. There's a sense of camaraderie, a sense of togetherness even in our darkest moments. Jesus has walked that path. And then Isaiah says this, I love this. Surely He took our pain and He bore our suffering. Look to the person next to you and say, He took your pain and bore your suffering. That is such good news. Yet we considered him punished by God, stricken by him, and afflicted. Jesus did all of this for us, and still we rejected him. This is the equivalent of get over it. Well, haven't you grieved long enough? Why are you still crying? You know, if you just trusted Jesus more, if you had more faith, all of these sorts of things that Sometimes Christians say, you know, and I know they mean well, but it doesn't change the fact that it actually deepens the wound, doesn't heal the wound. Then it goes on. But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. This is the sinner. And punished that he brought uh, his peace on us. (laughs) The punishment that brought us peace was on him. And by his wounds, we are healed. And the deepest wound was when the father turned his back. And abandon Jesus in that moment. And so that wound, too, can be healed through Jesus' suffering. Amen. Amen. That is such good news for us in Jesus Christ, that he can heal those wounds because Jesus—let me say it like this—because Jesus has the same wounds as you, he can be an agent of healing in your life. Some of you have experienced tremendous loss tremendous loss others of you have been on the the end of uh, abuse and the question becomes does Jesus care does Jesus care that I suffered that where are you why don't you fix this why don't you does Jesus care does Jesus care about what happened to me on that time in that thing the answer I believe is yes he does care and I don't have a way to fix what happened to you this morning. I don't, I don't have a simple solution. I don't have some sort of magic or anything. I tell people all the time, I wish when you get ordained, they'd give you a magic wand to just fix stuff. But they don't. And so this morning, we're going to continue to worship the Lord now in an act of worship. We're going to do anointing for healing. We're going to do a couple of things. Um, but one of the things that the Scripture tells us to do is that when we're sick, when we're broken to call the elders, and they lay hands on you, and they anoint you with oil, and they pray for healing. And so over here, we're going to have three or four of us, a couple of women, a couple of guys. And if you would like to be anointed for healing, we're going to anoint you. We'll put the sign of the cross on you. We'll ask God to heal you physically, mentally, emotionally. And normally I say, when you come up, I ask you, How can I pray for you? We are not going to ask you that because some of you are dealing with stuff that you don't want to share in that moment. And you don't need to share it with us, right? Because God knows. And so you come up. If you want to share, that's fine. But we're going to just probably say, you know, we're going to put the cross on you and pray for you and pray for God's healing in your life. If you would like to be a part of that, we invite you to come. Because I really believe that by His stripes we are healed. And maybe that begins the process of healing. Maybe, maybe it, it pushes it down the road. Maybe it brings it to completion. I don't know, but I do believe that our God heals. Amen? Amen. I've got like a 10-inch scar on my leg that says, our God heals. So I believe with all of my heart. The other part of it is we're going to take communion because this is the Lord's table. It's the thing that gives us life for us. It is the, the broken body of Christ, and it is the blood of Christ which was shed for us together. And so I'm going to invite you, if you would come down this aisle, if you're going to take it through intinction where we dip it in, or if you would prefer the uh, self-contained, we're going to put those on either end and you can come down those aisles and then you can all go back through through these aisles and you can do this and then come over or you can go there and then, then come here, however you want to do it. Mom and dad, if you want to bring the kids in, you're welcome to go back and get the kids. We love to see you take communion uh, together as a family. I think that's something that really forms the children. But I, I, I want us... Now, to allow this to be a sacred space, a sacred time. I believe the Spirit's here. I've been praying about and crying about this sermon for weeks. But I know, I just know there are some of you that it's never been recognized that you were the one that was sinned against. And I'm telling you, even though the church has missed it, and even though I have missed it, Jesus did not because he was with you and he is with you because he has suffered like you. Amen? Let me ask God's blessing on what we're about to do. And if those who are going to help would come. Father God, forgive me that I've never preached about this before. I've never really quite seen it like I do now. And so, Father, I especially lift to you those in our congregation who have been deeply broken by what happened to them, whether it's the loss of a loved one or or, or whether it's someone that sinned against them in in awful ways that maybe they're ashamed of and they're struggling with, and and maybe it was even at the hand of people who claim to be Christians. I pray, Father, now that you would work healing in these moments as we come to your table and as we follow your instructions to be anointed and prayed for, Father. Maybe for some here it's the beginning of the healing process of being honest and open. Maybe you're going to push it down the road a little further. Maybe you're going to move them in a wonderful way and, and, and take them to a whole new level, Father. But whatever it does, we ask. We ask in Jesus' name that you would heal your people, Father. And then, Father, we ask that you would nourish our souls as we come to your table, that we're reminded of our own sinfulness, and that you gave your life for us, Father. And we're reminded that on the night you were betrayed, you took the bread, and when you had given thanks, you broke it and gave it to them, saying, this is my body, which is broken for you. Whenever you do this, remember what I have done for you. After supper, you took the cup, and when you had again given thanks, you said, this is the new covenant in my blood which was shed for you. Whenever you do this, remember, remember that my life is your life. Remember that by my stripes, you are healed. The body and blood of the Lord Jesus Christ preserve us blameless unto everlasting life. Let us come to his table and let us be anointed By the oil of healing. I invite you to the table of the Lord. Hey, church family, thank you for watching this video. It is amazing that you consider this your church home. If you do consider this your church home, we would ask that you would share this video with a friend. If God has been speaking to you, we would hope that you would share this message. As always, like and subscribe so that you don't miss a single video and tune in each Sunday at 10 a.m. on our live stream or you can join us in person. We'll see you next week. God bless.